0: My parents um, watch Pacey quite a bit, and he's usually pretty good for them. And then when they see him with us, when we're all together, and they see how he behaves with us, my mom's like, oh my gosh, I would never put up with that. If you ever spoke to me like that, I would slap you across the face.
1: How do you feel when you hear
0: that? Kind of like we're failing (laughs) as parents. Like, how come our kids like this, where you clearly had it all under control? (laughs)
2: Tell Me About Your Kids is a chance for you to listen in on unscripted conversations with Connected Parenting Specialist Bonnie Harris. As she talks with real parents like you about real struggles like yours, these counseling sessions get to the heart of why our buttons get pushed as parents and offer tips and advice useful no matter your child's age. Listen in and subscribe to let go of old habits and raise your kids in a way that feels good. If you're having a parenting challenge and need help, visit bonnieharris.com for free resources. Schedule a session or get a free one-on-one counseling session by becoming a podcast guest. We're all in it together. You're not alone. Thanks for listening.
1: Tell me about your kids. Welcome back to Tell Me About Your Kids. I'm Bonnie Harris. I am your host on this program. And Adam Arnone is my sidekick, producer, engineer. I
2: like how you call it a program. Yeah? Yeah.
1: Well, it is kind of, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it is.
1: It's a program.
2: But it it is a program. It But it, it just felt... All of a sudden, I like that word better than podcast.
1: Ah, okay. Well, maybe we start calling it a program instead of a podcast.
2: Yeah. Program feels a little more vintage and cool.
1: This is, tell me about your kids, (laughs) the program that will change your life.
2: (laughs) The program for parents who care. There you go. Wow.
1: Perfect. Okay.
2: That worked. I guess we're done with that. Okay. (laughs) We need to... Checklist so we can just write that down. Yeah. Do you ever make a checklist?
1: Always. Just I am a, I am a checklist person. Che- yeah, but I love checking off or crossing off. I just love that.
2: But okay, so well then this question is will be good to hear your answer. So but do you ever put things on the checklist that are just cheaters? Like If you've already, yeah, yeah, like things just to cross off the list.
1: I would probably say I have been known to do that.
2: Like, uh, I'm not above throwing a eat breakfast on there.
1: (laughs) Right? Yes. (laughs) Things I have to do on Friday before we leave. Yeah. Eat eat breakfast.
2: Because it feels so good. It feels so good to cross stuff off the list.
1: I love it. I just love it.
2: Because sometimes you're just looking for a win.
1: Yeah. And And, checking
2: something off the list is a win.
1: And my daughter Molly loves that, too. And that was something that was really motivational for her when she was a little girl. Checking things off the list. I would make a list of things she had to do in the morning before going off to school. Yeah. And put a little square box next to it. Mm. And she loved checking off those boxes.
2: Whatever gets you by.
1: Whatever gets you through. That's right. Yeah.
2: So today you had a wonderful talk with Lauren and Matt, who have two kids. They have a four-year-old and they have a 10-month-old. Yes. And the four-year-old is having a lot of um, what they sort of seem to like spontaneous anger issues. Yeah, A really hard time with his younger brother. Um, she refers to it as drive-by hitting, which I right. think is – uh, uh, that's a, actually a really good way to explain it um, for anybody who has ever had a kid who just randomly hits you and yeah. you're just as surprised as they are, I guess, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. They just sort of look at you like, I'm going to hit you now. What? or Everything they don't was even going
1: know. just fine. Why did you just hit me? Right. Right.
2: I mean, I don't, I don't know what parent has not said, why did you do that? Why why would you do that? Why would you hit me?
1: (laughs) Because I'm four and all the other things combined, yes.
2: Right, when you're in a situation (laughs) where your kid is... Uh, developmentally they're not at the place where you can sit them down and have a deep conversation about their emotions.
1: It's really hard to be reasonable and rational with a four-year-old because he's just cognitively not there. You know, it's interesting, we haven't had um, anybody on the program for a while with really little kids, this yeah. this young, and I love talking about little kids because I just, oh, this is where it all starts. Um, but again, it's still about the parents, right? Even though we've got to understand their developmental stage and what's appropriate to expect and everything. Again, in this case, it was about Lauren and Matt adjusting their expectations, learning a new language. You know, they talked about him back talking and the, just the old familiar language that we were all brought up with. That takes you down that negative path. But this was what I think of as like the perfect storm. I mean, this is this is an integrity kid. So he is out there. He is pushing the limit. He is trying really hard to get what he wants every minute. And if things don't go his way, he explodes. So it's an integrity kid who is four years old. Mm-hmm. Developmentally, that is really big with... A 10-month-old baby brother who is, in his mind, getting stuff that he deserves. Right. That combination of those three things that's causing some problems for Lauren and Matt.
2: I want to tell you guys about our affiliates, uh, Thrive Market and um, Earth Mama Organics. Feel free to go to our liner notes. And there's two links there that you can click and find out about those two places, which are awesome. And doing that and getting things from them um, helps this podcast and you get to support good companies. So use those links. All right. Thanks. Here we go.
1: When you fear that your punitive parents had things better under control and you have lost control by not punishing, you're stuck in that limbo between the two. Compassion and understanding of the emotional life of a child must precede choosing to give up punitive measures because you understand the emotional turmoil that punishment causes fueling unacceptable behavior. Good morning, Lauren and Matt. How are you? Welcome to the show.
0: Good morning. Good. Thank you. Tell me about your kids. Well, we have um, an almost five-year-old, um, Pacey, and he is, after listening to many of your podcasts, a classic integrity child. Um uh-huh. Very strong-willed, very bright, um, very manipulative, <laughs> uh, and, you know, trying to get his way, Um and then uh, we started having some issues with his behavior probably around two and a half, um, starting with you know a lot of tantrums, and now it's uh, sort of turned into a bit, little, little bit less tantrums, more um, talk back talking, um, and recently he started doing some some hitting and things like that. And I will tell you that one of the big uh, instigators for his behavior has definitely been the birth of his baby brother. Um, and Damon is now um almost ten months old, and Pacey loves him with a vengeance, sometimes a little too much. Mm-hmm. He will say that mm-hmm. he loves him more than anybody. he's very affectionate mm-hmm. with him, but sometimes he's too rough, which is natural, but sometimes he's too rough, I think, mm-hmm. on purpose, and other times he will intentionally just go over and step on him or do something that he knows going to listen a reaction from us um right. so obviously you know that's one of the the things that pushes our buttons that you know we, we're like how do we stop him from doing that you know without screaming at him without punishing him and um and then be apart from that he's also just randomly started you know hitting us and um Not all the time, but it's so it's so strange because a lot of times it's out of nowhere. It's like he's perfectly happy and he'll just like run by and it's like a drive by hitting. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he'll just reach out and punch my husband in the stomach or slap me in the arm. And we're like, and it's hard. And we're like, what? What is that for? He's not even angry. So, you know, I think we are trying to embrace this. You know, we've really been trying to embrace this connective parenting since we discovered you guys um, several weeks ago, and I think we've had some successes, but also just some struggles. And like, I I don't know what to do if if I'm not allowed to punish him, if I'm not allowed to yell at him. How do how do I curb this behavior? You know, and also the back talking right. like that's another big trigger for us when he's just like, "No, I won't. You can't make me,"
3: or getting aggressive mm-hmm. after that, saying, "And then I'm going to hit you if you do that." And Lauren sort of alluded to it. What's really interesting is he's got such a wide range of emotions. He can be very empathetic, and very sweet, mm-hmm. and try to connect with your emotions and say, "Hey." Daddy, you feel sad. How can I make you feel better? And then he'll turn around two minutes later and go and slap one of us or say something very nasty or sassy or aggressive. And so I think that's a big frustration for me. It's just the big swing. Like, I love that he can be very sweet and empathetic. But would I rather have a tighter range? Um, (laughs) Probably, yeah. So
1: He's uh, he's very unpredictable. You just, you never know where he's coming from. So do with your perception of what's going on, right? Of him and why he's doing what he's doing. Let's start with backtalking because that's, I think that's a big issue for a lot of people. Just the word backtalk, it just elicits negative emotion in you, right? So where do you, where did you learn the word backtalk and what does it mean to you?
0: I mean, obviously, I think both of our mothers, um, you know, Mm -hmm. said, you know, don't you dare back talk me. My parents um, watch Pacey quite a bit, and he's usually pretty good for them. And then when they see him with us, when we're all together, and they see how he behaves with us, my mom's like, oh my gosh, I would never put up with that. If you ever spoke to me like that, I would slap you across the face. How do you feel when you hear that? Kind of like, We're failing (laughs) as parents. Like, how come our kids like this, where you clearly had it all under control?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, do you know why he is the way he is with you and he's not that way with his grandmother? Because he feels more comfortable with us? You bet. You are the safest people in his life. Yeah. And he knows you're not going to go anywhere. And so there's good news about that. he feels safe enough to do all this with you it's it, all of these are ways for him to get out his confused feelings his angry feelings his jealous feelings his feeling usurped feelings you know these are all ways that he has of expressing mm-hmm. that and he's not going to do that with his grandmother she doesn't understand and she will tell him, don't you back talk me. You know? yes. <laughs> right? So he's not going to do that. One thing about connective parenting or any of our, any of these approaches that so many of us are talking about these days is that we are giving our children voice, right? We're doing that intentionally. But the problem is... When you initially think about giving your children their voices, it's it's wanting them to be able to stand up for themselves in the face of adversity, wanting them to be able to really get their opinions out there. But we don't think of the five-year-old screaming, no, I won't do that, and you can't make me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's giving him his voice, right? Because... We were never allowed to say anything like that. That old voice inside our heads is saying, how dare he? He can't do that to you, which makes you then react to him. That's the whole buttons procedure. So the question is, how do you accept Pacey 100% for exactly who he is and support him in being who he is so that he grows with a lot of self-confidence and can stand up for himself and voice his opinions. At the same time, making your relationship work, putting appropriate limits on his behavior Mm -hmm. that don't put him down, right? So backtalk, let's get back to that. What does backtalk mean? Break the word down and and just kind of tear it apart. And what does it really mean?
0: I guess it's just a negative reaction to something that, you know, you're being told.
1: Yes, yes. When your child is backtalking, what it really means is they're not doing exactly what you've told them to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it goes back to that mode of parenting that tells us, "Hey, I'm the parent. You're the little kid. You're supposed to do what I tell you to do. You're supposed to be who I want you to be." That's that's what we're coming out of. Right? And we don't Consciously, people like you who are wanting to embrace a more connective approach, you don't want to do that. So it's looking at these words, this language that we have come to use over the years through our own upbringing and realizing, wait a minute, that's, that's not helpful to us because when you think he's backtalking me, You're not going to allow that. That's not okay. But instead, when you think, ah, this is Pacey's way of saying he doesn't like what I've just told him, that takes you down a very different Mm -hmm. road, right? Yeah. And that's going to be more helpful in your communication with him. When you see that he's not doing anything that a strong-willed five-year-old isn't expected to do, then you can work with him. When you're thinking he's back talking, man, he's got to change.
2: Right, right.
1: Every kid is doing just fine until we get in there and put these obstacles in their way of being successful. And these obstacles are messages that we send them about who they should and shouldn't be, what they should and shouldn't do, and then they get reactive And some way more than others, (laughs) the integrity (laughs) kids, right? The integrity kids can't take being forced into something they can't do. Harmony kids being much more flexible can. Not a good thing necessarily, but they can shift, right? And be more who you want them to be. This is what you want to look out for with the harmony kids. But integrity kids can't. And so we've got to take responsibility for what it is we are expecting of them. Right. So so let's get into some examples. I think there's there's two different
0: scenarios maybe three that we kind of see regularly so the first is out of nowhere he's seemingly perfectly happy and he just starts hitting us or he'll even say i'm gonna punch you and it's like Mm. fun for him and Mm -hmm. so for last night last night for example i go upstairs and i'm reading to him and he starts getting a little wild on the bed and i said hey buddy you know can we please lay still while i'm reading to you and then all of a sudden, he's just like, I'm going to punch you. And I said, I'm not going to let you punch me. And he just keeps trying. And I'm grabbing mm-hmm. his fist, but like really holding my cool. I'm like, hey, buddy, like wrap my arm around him. Hey, let's lay down and snuggle next to me, you know, and while I read or while we sing songs. And he's like fighting against me. I won't do it again. I won't do it again. And as soon as I let him go, he jumps up. I'm going to punch you.
3: And I'm like, I don't,
0: like, I'm literally spending one-on-one time with you. I'm doing something you love, which is reading to you. And it's all of a sudden, you know, his energy level just shoots up into the air. He does this randomly, you know, usually right before and after shower or bath time. He's all of a sudden, it's like he's been, he's like on drugs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's running around like a maniac Um, He likes taking showers and baths, so he's not fighting against that. It's just like, I don't know, something about taking his clothes off. I, I have no idea, <laughs> but he just runs around like a crazy person, randomly hitting and throwing his body about. Um, so that's kind of one scenario. And it doesn't seem like there's anything that really calms him down and, until like a complete shift in what you're doing. So whether that's, all right, it's time to go upstairs and read books now you know, that gets him out of the physical location where he is and and things can Mm -hmm. calm down. Mm -hmm. So there's Mm -hmm. that aspect. And there's also, um, I've noticed this, especially when we're around my parents, who he considers to be his, if we're all together, Mm -hmm. um, they're showing some attention to Damon and he will go over and pinch him or step on him. And he kind of looks at the adults in the room like, you know, waiting to to see who's going to notice, who's going to give him that negative attention he's seeking.
1: It's important to point out here that no child seeks negative attention. Children's behavior is their attempt at saying what they need. But when that behavior is viewed as bad, it looks to the parent like it's on purpose to make the parent mad. Why would a child ever want that?
0: The other scenario is when he is, he's really mad about something, right? Um, and then he starts having a meltdown and lashing out and just kicking, screaming, fighting us.
3: A lot of times with me, that's around him asking me a question. And it's not very clear. Obviously, he's four, almost five. So I'm trying to understand that and say, ask qualifying questions to his question. And he'll just start screaming, that's not what I said. You're not answering my question. And I'm trying to calmly say, well, I'm trying to just understand it so that I can help. Happened in the car yesterday. you know. And then there was a meltdown mm-hmm. and screaming. And so um, trying to navigate around that, that's one of them where he just lashes out. And that's not physical. It's just screaming at you, angry mm-hmm. that you aren't doing what he wants in terms of answering that
1: question. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So he's not, in, in all of these scenarios, he's not getting what he wants. So let's start with the, with the bedtime. Hopefully we can get through all of these different types of situations. So many, many, many kids need to rev way up before they can settle down. And even if you don't see this consistently every night, what happened was he was jumping around when you said, hey, buddy, let's calm down so we can read and snuggle. He couldn't do that. He wasn't in, his system wasn't able to settle down. And so he had to, he had to tell you somehow. He doesn't know how to say, no, I can't do that. I really, my body just needs to jump. (laughs) He doesn't understand that. So he's going to come at you and hit you. And I'm not saying that that's what every kid does who needs to roughhouse, but it's it's his way, I believe. So I think when you see that, instead of trying to get him, because what you're doing is wanting him to follow your agenda –
0: right mm-hmm.
1: right you want him to be calm and cuddly he can't do that and so you keep at him in a very sweet loving way but he still can't do it so i would suggest that when you see that happening you give him ways to go into it jumping on the bed jumping on a um uh, you know, if you don't have one, it might be a good Christmas present—one of those little individual trampolines. He used to
3: have with one. A handle. <laughs> he used to have yeah. one. Oh, uh, uh,
1: yeah. yeah! When he was younger, he would go so crazy
0: on it, he ended up knocking it over several times.
3: Yeah, uh, and I, well, and what's yeah. interesting is sometimes uh, I, I put him down as well, and sometimes I've noticed just that energy, and I'll ask questions like, "Do you feel like there's just a million balls?" bounce around inside your body. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And sometimes I'll say, would you rather me just leave for a little bit and you kind of play in your room and then you let me know when you're ready for books uh, or to sing songs?" And he'll he'll say yes, and I'm like, all right, we're going down the right path. And then I'll come back after he says he's ready, but he still wants the whole length of time that we normally do, the twenty five minute routine. And so and so we'll even we'll put in the, <laughs> you know the the stipulation, well, it's not going to be as long. Are you sure you want me to leave for a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So but then we're kinda he can't half accept doing it. it.
1: Yeah, he can't right. accept it. He can't he
0: can't put that together. Exactly. Right. He's so. like, why aren't we reading four books? Why why is it now one? Well, you just <laughs> right.
1: wasted all your time. So like
3: I'm going down this right path and then no, it failed.
1: But you are. But you are the diff- The only problem is that he's not cognitively able to understand this means a shorter amount of time. <laughs> Even when he's cognitively able to do that, he's not going to want <laughs> it, right? So your job is to start earlier, right? Build in that time. And if he doesn't need it, then... Okay, great. You just go right into reading, but how much of the uh, how what percentage of time would you say he needs to do that crazy winding up before bed?
0: Um,
3: Maybe one or two times a week. I think think
1: most nights
0: he gets it out before, right? Like either before or after the shower, like jumping on our bed or, you Mm -hmm. know, Uh downstairs. So maybe last night, I can't remember, but maybe last night he didn't really do that as much
1: downstairs. Yeah,
3: and maybe that's something that we need to be more cognizant of and say, hey, go run up and down the hallway 10 times and count them.
1: (laughs) Build it in. Build it in every night just for you to know that. I think that's an important thing. And then you'll probably find things will go a little more smoothly. But watch when he wants to rev up and you want him to calm down, right? Because that's not going to, it's never going to work. So let's jump into the tantruming, the meltdowns. Typically when kids have a meltdown over something, We do everything in our power to try to get them to calm down. Even in schools, we have counselors who work with kids to get into the green zone and out of the red zone sort of thing. We're always telling them to calm down, stop being so emotional, Mm -hmm. right? Which is exactly the wrong message. What we want is for our kids to purge all of that. Meltdowns always happen because there is enough built-up tension and stress that they can't cope anymore.
0: Okay,
1: And it's a trigger. You know, you ask him to put his coat on, and he reacts like you've just told him you're going to send him off to Siberia, right? So it's a trigger. It's not about what you think, it's not about what's just preceded the meltdown, usually. That's a trigger. What it means is that he is full up to capacity with whatever amount of stress and tension he can personally tolerate. So when he has a meltdown, your job is to be there with him To be a loving, accepting witness for him and to let it go all the way up and let him bring it down when it's time. So, what that means is just staying with him. Okay. Let him know if you can, let him know you're ready, you're there when he's ready for a hug. Don't say anything more. Just Just be there. If he tells you to go away, has he started doing that yet? Um, Uh,
3: Occasionally. Kind of rarely, honestly. I think he wants us there.
1: Good. Good. But a lot of kids will just say, go away, go away. And what that means is, I don't want you to see me like this. Or I'm feeling so awful right now, I can't have anything else. You make me feel worse. So, what I would say if it gets into this is go away just as far as it takes for him to stop telling you to go away. Okay. Mm -hmm. Don't really, he doesn't really mean go away. You know, you don't want to just say, fine, have your tantrum and go off, you know, in another place of the house stay with him, just back up, sometimes maybe just turn around so he knows you're not looking at him. Stay there and then let him him do the full course because when he can, when he can complete that course and come out of it on his own, if you have experienced this, you notice this, amazing little kid who's like Mr. Philosopher all of a sudden. That's, that's
3: funny. That's what his, his class, they did like, what was it last year, his preschool, they kind of had
1: All the teachers, or, yeah, gave
0: each of the kids, you know, Mr. Creative, Mr. Whatever. And Pacey was the philosopher.
3: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, he'll come that's out of those two and he'll be so sweet. Yes. And he'll say, I just want to be with you, daddy, all day. Let's do stuff together. And I'm like, that's great. I want to do that. Too, so. Yes, it's
1: because he has purged all of those built-up emotions. Life for little kids is really hard in the best of families. They're being told what to do all day long, at school, at home. Then he's got a little brother to contend with. It's, he, he's got a lot of confusing, mixed feelings going on. And sometimes it's anger and sometimes it's feeling like he's not getting enough attention and sometimes it's, you know, whatever it is, but it all jumbles together and he doesn't know what to do with it. So you're the ones who have to do, tell him and do that for him. So let him have it all out. Then just when he's ready for it, bring him onto your lap and say, now look at that. You were able to come right out of that all by yourself. You did mm. that on your own. And then you might say what you thought happened for him. You could say, do you want to hear about it? Do you want me to tell you about what happened? And at four, he's probably going to say, yeah. because <laughs> <laughs> And so you could say something like, you really wanted that blue plate for lunch to have your sandwich on the blue plate and the blue plate was dirty and i gave you the green plate and you just were so angry about that and so you got really upset and you just got it all out and now here we are
3: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: and give him a big hug you know it's like it's it's almost like you're saying what a wonderful thing you did because it really is he has purged All of that. So now he's clean, he's empty, he's ready to go again, Mm -hmm. right? And it's a wonderful time to connect after it's all over. So the other thing you want to get in the habit of is not asking him questions. So I'm wondering, Matt, if when he asks you a question and you give him questions Mm back— He doesn't know how to answer them. You're trying to figure out what it is he wants to know from you. But it's like for him, you've turned the tables and you're asking him questions. Yeah, that was
3: an interesting situation because he asked me a question and I gave him an answer, but he didn't like the answer.
1: But this is this sort of thing is going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to like an answer that you give him because he doesn't know yet how to ask you the question he really wants to know. And so if he doesn't, if it doesn't fit with him, he's going to react like that. So when he does, I think the most effective way of responding is, oh, I get it. You don't like that answer. So that must not be Mm -hmm. what you're looking for. Notice there's there's no no question. question.
3: Right. I noticed that immediately when you said that. Okay. Yeah, fair enough.
1: (laughs) So you're acknowledging What's going on with him? Mm-hmm. That's always going to get you further than when you question him. You don't ever want to use what's wrong, why did you do that, what's going on with you, why are you feeling like that? You don't want to ask any of those questions. You want to suggest. So, and this is how you really help him understand his emotions. So, you know, when he steps on Damon, he wants your reaction, he, because what's happening at a time like that is Damon is getting your attention, and he wants it. He doesn't want Damon to take away any of your attention from him, absolutely logical, natural, and normal. Pacey doesn't need to be taught to stop wanting attention. When punitive measures, criticism, or blame is used at a time Pacey is doing something unacceptable, like stepping on his brother, he just gets more upset, giving him positive attention by picking him up and saying something like, It's hard to have to share us with this baby. I bet you wish we were still all yours, addresses his emotional state so the behavior will take care of itself. Damon has usurped his position in the family, right? He's, from Pacey's point of view, Damon is, can be a big threat to him because he doesn't know how it's all going to end up and you're so happy with this baby and he doesn't get that oh you can be just as happy with both of them yeah and so what he's seeing is he's not your baby anymore this kid <laughs> is your baby and it's funny cuz like this
0: morning i said
1: something like
0: you know you're well you're my baby and he said I'm not a baby. And I said, well, no, you're not a baby, but you're my baby. I said, you'll always be my baby. I said, you know, Damon's my baby and you're my baby. He kept on, you know, I'm not a baby. And um, (laughs) so, you know, I think we try to do a pretty good job of really, um, really, you know, showing him just as much love and attention, if not more than before. Um, And I think he understands more with us. You know, the attention we do have to show to Damon, he's like, okay, yeah, like he has to get fed, right? He has to nurse or get a bottle or whatever. And I think he gets that. I think it's worse around my parents, um, who to him are are more like playmates, right? And they spent a lot of one-on-one time with him, especially during COVID when school was closed um, and he doesn't do it as much at our house, but sometimes he'll do it. And a lot of times it's like, we're not paying Damon attention. We're not paying either I one of us attention. I was going to
3: say that. Like <laughs> when we have a little play kitchen in our kitchen. And so we'll be kind of working on mm-hmm. things. And Damon's kind of, mm-hmm. he sits up now. He's starting to crawl. So he's kind of playing there. Then Pacey will just kind of come by. Neither of us are in like actually engaging with Damon and he'll still do those things. So I don't know if it's to try to get our Go attention. To yeah. So yeah. it's not and, like we yeah. are solely focused on Damon you know, the two of us, and ignoring Pacey, and then he does that. We're it just could all be, doing our
0: own thing. We
3: could just all be in the room.
0: Right.
1: Kids don't work on any kind of a logical playing board. Pacey's feelings of jealousy can show up in behavior any time it comes up for him, not necessarily a time that would seem logical to Lauren and Matt. Just seeing Damon moving around is enough to trigger feelings in Pacey. It's hard to know. It's impossible to know. But I think when he does something like pinch him or step on him or something like that, well, first of all, tell me how you react to that.
0: I mean, usually, especially when it comes with to Damon, it's, you know, Pacey, you know, stop it. Or, you know, Pacey, you know, you're not allowed, you know, you hurt him. You know, he's crying. Um, or, you know, we pick Damon up and remove him and then damon gets the attention that pacey's wanting yeah,
3: not well i guess the answer <laughs> right. to the question is we're not handling it well like, <laughs> Well, i'll own that so
1: yeah. think yeah so think about how pacey hears that what is what does he hear from that um probably you know you're bad Hmm. Um, it's
3: that negative attention.
1: What, is, what does negative attention mean to him?
3: I think it's just getting attention. I, he obviously doesn't know the difference between positive or negative at all. So it's just...
1: Oh, he does. <laughs> no, he, does. he does because it's, very emo- it's a very emotional feeling, right? So it's the emotion of it. It's the connection of it. And when he gets the negative attention you think you're teaching him something, right? You think you're going to get mad at him and yell at him and he's going to learn not to do that again. That's our misunderstanding of negative attention. What that's actually doing is creating more emotional turmoil in him, which is going to keep that behavior going. So... The thing about behavior is it is always your cue as to what's going on inside. You don't have to know what's going on inside. You can't. But you, all you need to know is that when behavior is unacceptable and you know that he knows it, what that means is he's hurting inside. In some way, shape, or form. The, the only way he knows how to tell you, I'm not getting what I want. I, I'm not feeling the way I used to feel. I, I don't feel okay with myself. The only way he knows how to tell you that is with behavior. So with young kids, it's wonderful that they do this because that lets us know how they're doing. Once kids get, I don't know, in their teen years, maybe, maybe older, we start putting a lid on our behavior, right? We tamp it all down. So we don't know what's going on with people. And it's wonderful that we have this with children. If you understand behavior, behavior is not something to either reward or punish. Behavior is information. So when you see this it's information to you that he needs something right so when you give it negative attention that need whatever it is you're not even sure but when you give it negative attention then his need grows so when you give him positive attention and let's and that doesn't mean Oh, good for you, Pacey. You're expressing yourself by stepping on Damon. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's not what that means. It means you are picking up on the fact that he needs something. And so when you yell at him, you know that you're increasing that need. So it would be picking up Pacey instead of Damon, perhaps, and saying, Sometimes I bet you wish Damon wasn't here. Or I wonder if you want—notice no questions Mm -hmm. here. I wonder if you just really need a hug right now. Now, a lot of people, probably a lot of you out there listening, are thinking, aren't you just positively reinforcing negative behavior? (laughs) Yeah, That's what we're brought up to look at that as. But no, if you understand behavior as the tip of the iceberg, the your cue only, it's secondary to what is provoking the behavior. And what is provoking the behavior is that internal emotional state of your child. That's what you're addressing. That's what you're connecting with. So when you say, something like, I wonder if you need a hug right now, and, th- and you hit it, and he says, yes, or something like that, and you've taken care of it, the behavior goes away. When you are able to connect with that emotional state, that need, you don't have to ever worry about the behavior, right? So you don't reward it, you don't punish it. It's about finding out what its meaning is, what it's trying to tell you. And it's tough with a four-year-old Pacey, and it's coming out of nowhere. But the only thing that's important for you to know is it's a signal of some need. So just play around with it. I think
3: the closest we've gotten... And when we've done things exactly like that is he's hungry and has become hangry. And uh-huh. so yeah. I think we've noticed that and we'd say, I think you need a snack, don't you? Or again, there's a question there. We'll work on that. But just getting to right. like, what what is the root cause of this? Um, and I think we've started to, to feel that out just in that specific area, but do need to broaden it um, to more of the emotions or needs from him.
1: Yeah. And- and you'll get to, as you start focusing on this in this way, rather than trying to correct his negative behavior, but you're focusing on his needs, you're going to get much more in tune with him. Yeah. And so if you think, oh my God, you know, I just, he's just stepped on Damon and you think, oh my God, I don't think he's eaten in the past three hours. Then you might go in with, let's get, so, let's get a snack. So you, you want to distract him, at the same time take care of what you think the need might mm-hmm. be. And probably it is some kind of attention. And um, so then you learn what's, you know, what's over time. You learn what's going on. But you can always, always put your focus on what is his need And if I react negatively, which you're going to do, you're human, right? right? You're going to blow up at him when you're tired and hangry and anything else going on, right? Mm -hmm. And when that happens, just know that that is exacerbating whatever is going on for him. It's confirming for him that he is bad it's confirming for him that you don't love him it's confirming for him that he doesn't belong in this family cuz that's where kids go so when you can when you can come back from that from that time when you've made you know had a reaction like that because of your state Then you can come back and say, you know what? When I just yelled at you a little bit ago, I was really out of line. I did not mean that, and I am so sorry. Now, here's the important piece of this. Then you say, here's what I wish I had said to you instead. Ah, okay. Yeah. Right? And then, you say, and then you say it. It is so much more powerful than just an apology. Because, you know, if you get in the habit of apologizing, apologize, it's always wonderful to apologize. But if you do that and your behavior doesn't change, your kids are going to not pay any attention to your apologies anymore, right? They're empty. So if you can say, here's what I wish I had said. And then you're going to get him throwing his arms around you. And I love you, daddy. I love you, mommy. And it's, it's really, it's great. So, but the other thing about Pacey, as you're learning from listening to the podcast, is this integrity piece and thinking about instead of he won't do what I'm telling him to do, instead thinking he can't. And so when you see him as back-talking or rude or disobedient, you want to correct your thinking and remind yourself that's old-school thinking. What's going on with Pacey right now is he can't do what I am telling him to do in the way I am telling him to do it right now because it feels to him like an attack. Mm-hmm. It, does this mean let him do whatever he wants to do? Absolutely no. What it means is that you need to kind of step back, regroup, and think about a different way of asking him. Yeah. And not starting out with no. Because you might say, no, you can't do that because blah, 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 blah. And he's, he's lost you on No. So, all right. So I hope this has given you some ideas to think about and to work on. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. (laughs) Good. Good. Well, thank you so much, guys, for telling me about your kids.
3: Thank you for hearing us and coming up with these new tactics. Uh, I look forward to working on implementing them.
0: (laughs) Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening. I'm Bonnie Harris. If you're curious to learn more or would like to talk to me personally, check out my website, bonnieharris.com, where you can also find my books, When Your Kids Push Your Buttons, and Confident Parents Remarkable Kids. There are also links in the liner notes. And please subscribe to Tell Me About Your Kids on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell Me About Your Kids is produced and scored by Echo Finch.